Welcome back to the uh, Bearbow Archery podcast with me, Glenn Pringle. Uh, this week, it's not a Bearbow Archer that we've got on. We've got someone who's come from a different part of uh, archery and uh, from who's also an international competitor um, in another sport, but has dealt with um, shot anticipation or target panic, whatever you want to call it. But this isn't all about target panic. It's about other more important things. So joining him in the, on the line is uh, Gareth Ush. Uh, how are you, Gareth? Good, thank you. Great, great. Thanks very much, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. Uh, tell us uh, who you are, where you are, and what you, what you do, and uh, about your kind of input into archery, and tell us about your product, which is called Archery Without Anticipation. And it's, like I say, it's not all about target panic. It's about much more than that. So uh, so over to you, Gareth. Okay, thanks, Ben. So, yeah, my background is uh, I'm a South African. I live in Johannesburg. Um, I born and bred here. And at a sort of age of about 13, I discovered a sport called rowing. Uh, the Americans will know it as crew. And uh, I'm tall with very long arms, and this is a good thing. And this became the sport that I threw myself at. And then the, I progressed through this, the, the school system and the university system and ended up uh, representing the South Africa at world champs between uh, 1992 and 1994. So I, I raced at elite level. I captained the South African team in 93, the heavyweight team, and uh, best result was for, sort of fifth in the world. And as much as we were sort of very new in the scene, the, we put the effort in, we had good coaches, but the mental side of sport was a weakness and it was a side that's fascinated me ever since. So I then got into uh, mountain biking and I started to do some sort of fairly extreme stuff like the Cape Epic or the, the Freedom Trail or the 361, uh, these kind of things. And then about uh, five years ago, I stopped biking because my uh, left shoulder had got really sore from sort of crashes and a bit of wear and tear. And my wife gave me a archery lesson for my birthday. And that was where the story starts because <laughs> I picked up a recurve bow and you know what it's like. You sit in front of this uh, this bat at sort of five meters and you've got some guy coaching you to sort of a very basic grip and stance. And within about 10 shots, I wanted to shoot better. I wanted to shoot the next arrow where the last one had been. Um, and that was the journey. And so I picked up a recurve bow and <clears throat> I, again, I have a long draw length. I said it's sort of 33 and a half inches. So I shoot a 72-inch recurve, and I got going with that. But I found that uh, for my particular shoulder injury that the very strong compression and release of a recurve was uh, painful when I was shooting. So I had this kind of love-hate relationship with archery straight away. And I switched to compound, which because of the let-off was just much more gentle on the shoulder. And I compete in the sort of IFA and NFA stuff. I do the sort of adult male freestyle unlimited division and and mainly indoor and of course that goes well until target panic raises its head and then you dive straight into the mental side of how to fix and what to do so yeah that's the intro 
Oh, that's cool. Cool. And uh, it's uh, where can we find you? What's your? Have you got a website? Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm on LinkedIn in my sort of professional capacity. So, um, if you search for Archery Without Anticipation dot com, you'll find the book that I wrote. It's an ebook. Um, basically, I'm uh, quite involved in the sort of green movement, and I didn't want to print a paper book for whatever reason. But uh, we sell a book on archery around the mental side, and it's about it's called Archery Without Anticipation because it's the anticipation of the shot that gives you target panic. But also, if you can shoot your shot without anticipating in the actual release, in other words, if you're just following your shot sequence, the process of your shot, and your mind's entirely in the process, you're never going to get target panic. You're going to just go through that shot. You're not going to worry about the, the outside stuff. You're going to just execute a shot, and those shots are beautiful. So it's a book on how to do that. Yeah, and that's what we were discussing before we came on, because you were kind of at pains to kind of state to me that it wasn't just about target panic. It's about the shot process, following a shot process, mental preparation. And then if you do all of that stuff, if you follow your steps and you do it, we, we spoke to um, Alison Wright, who most people will know as Alison Kelly on the, the Facebook groups. Uh, she's a... Uh, she shoots in the instinctive world archery instinctive class um and she was saying right. her elimination round came down to one single thought that was missed out in the kind of preamble before taking her shot in the distance judging she missed once one simple part of her process and she said from there on in it was all going wrong so when we just discussed before we started recording you said you know it's about the mental prep. Do you just want to explain that what, what you said? Because it was absolutely perfect. It's not just about target panic. It's about the whole mental side of it, setting yourself up for success. Yeah, and this this is a, a broad topic, um, and we can we can kind of we can go through it in, in a sort of high level today, and I go through it in a high level in my book. But people people invest careers and doctorates out of the mental side of sport. So for me, the the joy of archery is is that absolute focus where you, you know, from the moment you pick up your bow and you and you walk onto the, the shooting line and you've got your arrows and they're numbered and you've got your release and you stick it in your hand or you wear a finger tab or a sling for your for your bow fingers or whatever else, all of that stuff, there's just this kind of ritual of basically preparing for a martial art or a deep internal focus. And you know, in my rowing days, when we used to drive out to the dam, we used to say, actually, the session starts when you get in the car because you've got to start building your mental state to get into the boat and start just hardening up, just start sort of getting your thoughts into what it takes to excel long before you actually pick up the bow or, in that case, get in the boat. So for me, it's it's the, the archery is just about this. You get into this um, incredible space and – You've got this opportunity to stand on line and be totally present in your thoughts and to block out everything else. And, and that's the real joy of archery. It's, it's similar to, um, psychedelic sessions or something else where you can totally lose your ego and you can be in the moment in the now. And those are flow states. And that's what I search for every shot. And the way to achieve that is to follow a blueprint for your shot to know exactly what you want to do from step to step, how that feels, how that looks from the outside. Um, how it feels with all of your senses, to know that shot sequence backwards, to be able to trust a lot, so much of, of 
the mental side of sport is letting go and trusting the process and not worrying about the outcome, just trusting that the right process when you follow it will deliver the outcome that you want. And and that's absolutely true in, in archery. The the days when I shoot beautifully are the days when I just trust the process. And and the days my beautiful shots are the ones where I don't know when they're gonna go, they just go. And and I may not actually be on the X or on the gold at the moment, but my body sorts it out. You know, um one of the most fascinating things I learned when researching Target Panic was actually a book I'd read several years before um, by a British author, author, Bill Bryson. And he makes the point that, you know, your brain processes so much information every second that it's got no way of painting the picture of the world as it is right now because just there's just a delay. There's about a 200 millisecond or one-fifth of a second delay. So what it does is a, a absolutely evolutionary trick is your brain forecasts where it thinks the world is going to be in 200 milliseconds time and that's what we perceive to be reality so so you you are just living in this predictive simulation of very advanced evolutionary statistics and and when you know that then you know that you're aiming as long as you try and keep your pin or uh, your arrow depending on the on the version of the sport you choose floating on where you want to aim you've got to just trust that it's going to go there in the next you know, one-fifth of a second, and that's what it does. And as soon as you know that, you can let go of a lot of the aiming anxiety. What, what kind of um, what kind of cost is the is the ebook? Because I, I bought it a while back, so I, I can't really remember how much I paid. Because um, it seems like there are a lot of kind of cures, for want of a better word, out there. But, you know, a lot of cures for people are kind of changing equipment um go and having another coaching lesson um maybe mm. like you say if they focus on the mental process of like you you were saying about when you were rowing you you know you, you didn't start your mental game when you got in the boat you started your mental game when you got in the car to go to the to get in the boat you know it was a build up and you wanted to arrive in the right frame of mind so that you were there and it was just then the you know that whatever it is in your head that the switch gets flicked and there you go you're straight in you know the kind of that preparation to that build up for you to get into that flow state so you know i would always say if if anyone was looking to get the, you know that extra bit and kind of move on progress with the sport and um, once they got their form down that kind of mental training and like you say people have you know done doctorates people have made you know lots of money in research on the mental game in sport and you know and in business as well um what's what kind of investment and it's not just an investment in cost but an investment in time so what what would the you know the ebook cost and what amount of time would people need to invest in it right so the the straight answer is the ebook costs 25 dollars it's 24.99 um, it's it's sold off archerywithoutanticipation.com, so I self-marketed. Part of that reason is that the Amazon terms and conditions, by the time I would advertise to get traffic to Amazon, it's just never going to make money. So self-publishing and going that way is, is the way I've, I've chosen, and it's the only way it sort of kicks you know, a small amount of money back on every dollar of advertising money spent. Um, so it's definitely not a sort of – uh, a replacement for a day job or a sort of second income stream or anything. This is more an act of love. Yeah. But I do yeah. want to get something back on the sort of effort I put in. But the the key thing here is, you know, if for every sport you've got 
uh, in every situation in life, you've got a level of of distress that you you used to. And, and an example I tell people is years ago at university. I mean, I studied finance, but I did a sort of an arts credit, as they called it then, where you, where you could study a language or something else. And I did German for a year. And I remember that German had this oral exam, and you lined up outside this office to to write, you know, to have this oral exam with these invigilators. And there were all these very nervous people, except for myself and one other person. And this other person was a girl I knew who was a very good sort of 10-kilometer And I just looked at her and I said, doesn't compare to sitting on the start of a race, does it? And she said, no way, you know. And so the stress that you perceive about an event is always relative to whether you've done something more important and lived with that stress. And I think for a lot of us, we get into archery because it looks good or feels good or because we like that challenge of it. But at some stage, our ego starts to take over and we start to invest a lot of our emotional self-worth in the outcome of a shot or a tournament or whatever else. And the real trick is never to get there. I mean, we do. I certainly like to shoot high scores. I certainly would like to think that I could be uh, certainly like maybe even internationally competitive one day in, in archery as well as rowing many years ago. That's a nice personal challenge for me. But the moment that you start to think about the score and what that means for you as a person, you introduce all of these other motivations. And it's then very, very hard to focus on the shot itself. And so the big lesson that I think is so beautiful about archery is that it teaches you to trust, teaches you to focus on the process, to be in the now, to be entirely present. And for the people that can achieve that sort of level of transcendence, it's almost a meditative space. But if you can achieve that sort of meditative space under the pressure of a hunt or a competition, then you're able to transcend into this place where firstly you get the results that your ego desires in any case. But secondly, that you then have the skill that translates into the rest of your life, where you can become a powerhouse, where you can just trust the process of your job, your marriage, a relationship, your children, whatever it is, do the right things, and the result will take care of itself. And I think that's the lesson of so much of top-level sport, is that you build the right process, you you, and then you execute that process, and nine times out of ten, that process will kick you the right result. And that one out of 10 times, you weren't going to do better by not following the process in any case. But you've got to let go of the ego. And that's such a hard thing. And it's such a beautiful lesson out of archery. So what are the lessons that you need to take to to let go of the ego in terms of the mental preparation and following the process? Is it just kind of a almost you you get your process and you refine your process till you get to a point where um, you've got something that you think is is, is a workable unit and then you kind of you put every bit of faith into following that process so that what you know you just blindly follow it believing 100% that that is going to take you through and that is going to get you the result that you want yeah so obviously there's trial and error in learning your process obviously you want to work with a coach or at least a video recording you uh, to go through it you can follow a shot sequence you know like the, the sort of american Archery's got a lovely shot sequence that Coach Lee has developed, and then, and those kind of tools. When you say, "Okay, I'm at the hook and grip stage," or I've, you know, stance, whatever else, or I'm drawing, or I'm at the half draw moment, whatever else, these are words that we use within the archery community so that we can able we can able we are able to describe where we're at to another archer or a coach, and 
and then they can reflect on that and we can we can discuss a moment you know we can we can understand and we can share an understanding so you've got to have these these words to describe it but my test for my that I use for myself and I, I mean honestly I fail this test probably every week um, <laughs> is that I write my shot sequence out I just take a pen and paper and I say all right I, you know stance what am I doing all right where are my feet um, you know, what's the alignment from my heel of my right foot through to the toe of my, my left foot? And what shoes am I wearing when I shoot? I try and wear flat, sort of consistent shoes and reasonable grip for different surfaces, etc. But, you know, what kit am I wearing? What's my stance? Where am I looking? Right. What do I do next? You know, I'm assuming I've got my finger sling on. I've got, I shoot a, um, I shoot a wrist release at the moment, so I've got a very set way of putting that on. It's not a leather release, it's a Velcro release, so I've got to set it in a consistent way, and I've got a way of measuring that it's consistent based on a particular crease in my the skin of my wrist that I emit, uh, you know, when I align it. And then you, I, I write out the shot sequence, and I go, okay, cool, that's fine. And then I look at it again, I go, oh, damn it, I missed a step. You know, like, I'm thinking about this when I'm here. And the test for me is I know my shot's dialed when I can write that shot sequence out first time and it's all there yeah yeah i, totally I don't challenge understand anyone that. listening to this to do that yeah i, I challenge I, anyone to do that right now i did you know, um I, I i did that i took your advice from the book and um i uh i wrote that out and i found that yep yeah, i would miss a bit and then i would go back and i would review it and then i would go oh i've missed a bit again and it took about a week yeah. for me to get it down to a point where i could um I could write it down consistently and I could just think and I could start the list and I could do that. And it took about a week, but then I went back again and I was like, mm, actually, there's a bit there that I feel is a bit of a weak link. Maybe I need to focus on that. And it, it kind of opened my eyes because if you can't write it down on a piece of paper, my my in my mind, the thought was, well, how are you ever going to get this right in the heat of competition or the heat, you know, you know, in the in the midst of a hunt, how are you going to get it right then? If you can't yeah. in your front room with no pressure, no stress, just write it down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I, I know I'm, uh, last week, for example, we so we've had you know COVID, and because of of kind of proximity of indoor archery, we've had very few tournaments this year. So it's been a a lonely year of archery shooting in my garden. But uh, last week we had uh, a tournament and. I had, uh, I thought I was doing fine. So we're shooting IFA, we're shooting the five spots at, at you know, at 20 yards. And um, I was, you know, nice, perfect score until my seventh last arrow when I just momentarily broke my shot sequence. And that one didn't just miss the X, it missed the five. And I dropped to 299, which is deeply frustrating. <laughs> so, and that was entirely because of that shot sequence. So, you know, the first step is, can you, can you work on your shot sequence to the point where you can describe it? Can you then write that shot sequence out, you know, start to finish? Could you in theory then write that out the same way 60 times in a row, because I've got to shoot 60 times in competition. And, and you, if you did that, I mean, I've never done this exercise, but I think if you did, you'd find your emotions and your stress and your concentration breaking just as you write that stuff out. You would make mistakes on shot 30, writing out your shot sequence that you didn't make earlier or later. So, you know, for me, this is just a tool for how you think about your shot. But, the, you know, I, I come back to it. The, the joy for me about archery is that 
you've got, let's say you're shooting a 72-hour tournament, you've got 72 opportunities to chase perfection and you've got 72 opportunities to be entirely in the moment. And and really, the people that can be in that moment and follow the sequence are the ones that get the results. And if you look at all the successful archers, they that's what they do. They're entirely in that moment. They're entirely following their shot sequence. And they're as divorced as possible from the external stuff that's going on. You know, they're aware of the wind and they acknowledge it and kind of uh, and carry on, but you not you can't obsess about stuff. So an, an example here is when I was learning how to mountain bike, and again I have a, a messed shoulder because I crashed a few times. So I'm not the perfect person to learn from, but there's this idea that you're going down a hill and it's all like come around a corner and there's a rock, you know. And and the trick is if you look at the rock, you're going to just go straight into it. And the trick is you you want to look at the rock, acknowledge it, and then immediately look where you want to go, left or right of it, whatever the path is, and that's where you focus. And in a way, the shot sequence is like that. You can have a sort of external disturbance. You know, like uh, the other day, someone um, someone broke a knock on the release and they had a huge bang and, you know, the arrow doesn't go where it wants to go and there's a bit of a sort of stirring in the range. And I just, okay, that's what's happened. And then just focus back on my shot sequence. And it's that ability to come back in. That's really beautiful. So just to be, be present, you know, things can suck you out of the presence, but you go back into it as quickly as you can. And and of course, the right thing there was to let down, which I did. And we start the shot sequence. So, yeah, this is the, you know, this is the story. I can go on a shot sequence. The, the, the key thing around understanding your shot is also being able to really be in control and to acknowledge what thoughts you're thinking about each shot. So, you know, just as a very technical example, and again, this won't appeal to the barebow guys so much, but for the for the guys who shoot compound, I've been grappling with my um, – at what stage do I fully straighten my bow arm? So, uh, again, having a long draw length, I've been trying to experiment with do I, I um, draw my, do I raise my bow, draw it, and then do I set my finger hook um, – Deep, the, you know, the trick of the wrist release is to set your finger into sort of a chain link, and then your your that release trigger can't be on the on the first phalanx of the finger. It's got to be right deep in the middle one, and then and then you've got to sort of set your rear shoulder alignment. I then set my sight picture, and I and I extend my my bow arm at the stage is slightly bent to accommodate this, and then I extend my bow arm while maintaining that sight picture. And once the sight picture is you know maintained and this back elbow is aligned, and then that sort of sight dart is on the on the gold or the X, I then worry about expanding like a recurve style through the shot. And those are beautiful shots, but I've been playing with, you know, do I do I draw with a fully straight arm and keep a draw, et cetera. And then the trick is when you're experimenting stuff with, with stuff in practice, which we all do, because we're all hungry for that small piece of performance. When you come up to a tournament, you've got to about 10 days in advance, you've got to say, this is how I'm shooting that tournament. And you've got to write out that shot sequence and you're going to say, I'm doing this. Because at that stage, your gain comes from the consistency of doing that compared to a small tweak that you might make. Yeah. And and you've got to kind of say, right, here's a block. For the next two weeks, I'm shooting this way for this tournament. And, and then I'm going to kind of experiment with this weakness or this area. And I'll spend a few days experimenting and I'll say, right, this is the change I'm making. And that goes into my shot sequence. So, you know, the, the other thing is, obviously, as you've heard, is the shot sequence is a dynamic tool. I, I have my shot sequence that, that if you, you know, if you read my book, I've got a sort of example of a shot sequence. I mean, that's about a year and a half old. I don't shoot that way anymore. You know, I've evolved. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've made small changes and, and they suit me and the way I shoot. So, um, 
It's, it's very important, you know, just to have that kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's all it's all good, really good information. Um, the, you know, the 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 thing about if you're going to make a change, you need to commit to the change, but you need enough of a lead time on that commitment so that you can ingrain it into your shot, and then you make no more changes and you stick with that. I think people do this thing of, you know, especially kind of um, with equipment as well. They will change equipment the day before a major shoot. Um, you know, and it's, you, you just, in my mind, maybe they're much better shooters than me with a much better mental game. But in my mind, that always kind of puts doubt in my mind and that's not ideal. I, I talked to our last guest, um, and she said, you know, when she went up into the finals with the top, top people in her, in her part of the sport she said there was an aura coming off them they were absolutely confident they had their shot process they knew their equipment they knew their mental game they were supremely confident and it kind of flowed out of them like an aura um, and they were you know absolutely. in the moment absolutely in the moment and you know if you're going up there and there's a doubt in your mind about your equipment and you've changed your shot process and you've done this and you've done that and you've changed your form a little bit in the last couple of days, it, I think it's probably a diff, it's a big ask to go up and have that level of confidence and that level of uh, that big an aura around you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so I totally agree. You know, we, we have these, um, sort of extreme challenges of doing this stuff right. Um, and it does, uh, the consistency is how we generate the high scores. You, you know, if you consistently, um, if you shoot the same way every time, you're going to get a, a, a consistent result from where you aim, and then that that you can tweak with moving your sight or something, and you can do that in practice. So for me, it's about not changing too often. And and I like to break my sort of shot down to say, okay, I have a very specific goal for each training session. I have a goal for each tournament. I mean, the tournament's uh, not kidding. My goal is simply shoot every single shot without anticipation. So shoot every single shot in the moment, never knowing when the release is going to go. And that's my goal for every tournament. But in training, I, I see it differently. I say, all right, this session I'm working on the specific stuff. And sometimes, you know, you start shooting and then something pops up and you go, oh, my arrows are going a bit right. And I try and break down why that's going. And I, and I realize it's very rarely a sight adjustment. It's generally a form issue. And then play with that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've I, only just kind of got to the level where I've been able to practice consistently enough because um, I, I made, you know, gains and I made improvements over time. But that with playing and playing and changing and changing, I've got to a stage now where my shot form, shot is, you know, it is pretty consistent. So I can tell if I'm putting the tip of the arrow in the middle, which is my sight pin, and I'm going off left or right. It is not a tune issue. It is not an equipment issue. It is a form issue because I know that I'm yeah. doing something. I'm either talking the riser or I'm kind of plucking the release, release, sorry, the release, my fingers um, and yeah. uh, or my shoulders. I've got a slight alignment problem and you kind of need to get to that stage. It's like, there's this thing on uh, on one of the barebow groups. Everyone asks, you know, I need to tune this, I need to tune that. And eventually, I think some of the, the, the bigger guys in the sport say, look, until you can shoot 
over 500 consistently with a bare bow on a, a 18 meters with a 40 centimeter face, yeah. your gains are not in tuning. Your gains are with improving your form and improving your mental game. So, you yeah. know, you were saying there about as well about letting go and having faith. Um, you know, that's another key thing. I, I've read your book three or four times in the last couple of weeks because um, I, <laughs> I I qualified I qualified to to shoot for um, my national team um, in the three Ds. Um, there were a lot of kind of it was an on off on off trip. Uh, and in the end, some family uh, issues, health issues kind of forced my hand um, at just a lot of things kind of stacking up against being able to go. But I noticed I'd kind of practiced and practiced and practiced, but I'd only practiced my form. And it got to a point where I, my mental game had gone completely. Um, I had some disastrous kind of results at competitions and it was the kind of the kick up the arse that I really needed to say, look, you need to make a change here. You need to, you, 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 and then it got, things got worse. I got, I shot one competition and I shot one round in the morning, one round in the afternoon. And there was like a hundred point turnaround uh, from morning to afternoon, just because I was on that kind of slippery slope of shot anticipation. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I read your um, book, three or four times I've got Joel Turner's Joel Turner's course and the problem is you know he says it in there you know you need to do the work this doesn't do the work for you and it's the same with your book you need to do it and follow the steps yeah. and become comfortable with writing your shot sequence out because you know when I first tried it I could not write my shot sequence out I kept making mistakes I got things in the wrong order so I kind of knuckled down. I still have. I haven't done the listeners unless they bought your course. Won't know what the jiggly test is. I still haven't done that yet. I'm. I'm very much. <laughs> I'm very yeah. much aware. I, I'm very much aware of what the the issue is, and I've got to a point now where I'm. You know, like you mentioned, uh, John Dudley, uh, the famous knock-on archer. You know, big field yeah. field guy uh, over in America. He's got very. Um, popular podcast and youtube uh knock on archery uh for those of you interested in compound yeah, as well yeah he's a really good guy um you know all the stuff the amazing information he puts out there but the same kind of thing with joel job one and job two be in front of the line behind yeah. the line and it's where your attention yeah. is um, and that's kind of started to pay dividends and now i can actually see where the anticipation is there's just a millisecond where i can see um make me kind of losing a slight amount of concentration in my back and I can go, I can straight away, I know that I'm. it's about to, you know, the shot's about to go and I know that it's going to be a talk of the bow hand, there's going to be a pluck and I'm like, that's, it's just taking that little yeah. step beyond that and keeping your focus so much on, um, with bare bow, it's not the same as Olympic recurve where you, you know, a kind of, semi-aggressively pulling through um, the clicker because there's no clicker. Yeah. Um, and to get consistency, you just, you need to be at the kind of holding position um, and comfortable. And then it's just, it's just a micro, it's just a micro expansion that you're trying to make sure that yeah. you're not collapsing. So 
the the focus required is like you said it's like a martial art it's like a zen you know out the the, the last guest we had said it was like a, it's like an out of body experience absolutely absolutely so uh, you you touched on so many things there so i mean like firstly well done for for qualifying for for your bebo national you. colors i mean that's just amazing well done um and yeah, I hope to emulate that sort of journey in the next year, I guess. That's sort of my track at the moment. Um, you know, we, you talk about when you learn. What I found is, is yeah, we, we tend to put the effort in into the physical training of archery. So I find that I spend, uh, I probably do uh, probably 80 shots twice a day on the days that I'm kind of able to from a work perspective. 160 hours a day, but the more valuable sessions are actually the ones where I shoot 200 arrows because what happens in the last 80 arrows is things fall apart. And, and that's where the, the, the learning to concentrate really comes in because you're fatigued and you learn how your shoulder acts. In this case, my bow shoulders, I said, is mess. So I, I learn how to um, position it when it's really fatigued. And then that actually becomes my starting position for the next session and so on. So, I think a challenge a lot of us sort of semi or mainly amateur archers who are not sort of full-time athletes have is that you've got to – archery is a sport of repetition and it's a sport of frequent um, sort of dipping the tea bag back into the tea to keep the flavor strong. You've got to put in enough arrows every day that you keep on learning the lessons and you keep progressing. Um, and for many people, it's just a lot to do. Yeah. And then plus, you need to worry about you know physical conditioning, so sort of running or strength or core work, whatever else. I really believe that the core body muscles are so important for archery stability. And then you've got this mental side, and we tend to leave the mental side because by the time we've done those other two things, we're exhausted. <clears throat> and I, to go back to my rowing days, one of the guys I used to – to row within the South African national team was a fighter pilot. So he he's still a test pilot 30 years later. He's he's an absolute machine of a of a um, you know a classic type A, very focused, very smart guy who flies very fast, expensive equipment for a living. Um, and you know he relayed the story of of they had uh, some aerobatic team and they took half the team and they said right, this is the sequence we're flying this weekend at a show. We're going to do these loops and these rolls and whatever else and in this formation and half the guys were tasked with going out and practicing and they had you know jet fuel and budget and they went out and they did their practice and the other half of the guys were sat on the ground and they sat there and they visualized that sequence and then on the weekend they had sort of team a versus team b and the team that had sat on the ground outperformed the team that did the flying and so wow. And and that's and that's been replicated. So I mean, this was an anecdotal st study from my friend, but you know, he told me about it, and and I've subsequently read about it, and I've read other stories where that's true. And you've got to kind of find this balance. But the challenge is that I think most of us, and myself included, we tend to want to shoot our bows, but there's a lot more once you've kind of progressed past the sort of beginner stage. There's a lot more to be gained from starting to worry about the mental side of the game because archery is a mental sport and it is a precision sport. So what I find is when you start to do longer sessions, firstly, sort of less frequent longer sessions, and in between I do more mental work. And then in those long sessions, what I find is when I start to get tired is the very small things that make all the difference start to become bigger things that then show up. And I start to learn that, we you know, where my um, – 
where my sort of uh, string shoulder is becomes important. And that's the angle of my hand on the release, whether my wrist is flat or twisted up slightly. And I've realized that that's something which is inconsistent. So we have this precision sport, and, and I talk about it in the book, you've got to make this precision decision. So whatever form of archery you shoot, you've got to be prepared to invest in learning what those fine details are that make your shot work and then repeating that every single time. And my classic is is sight picture. You know, so with a with a compound, you've got a peep sight and you've got a front sight and there's magnified and you've got a ring of light around that front sight. And because of where my front sight is, I've got a very small ring of light. So I actually want to have, I want to push it further forward, but then you've got to balance up against uh, torque tuning. So I've got this small ring of light and I've realized that Almost 90% of where my shot actually goes, in, whether it's in the five ring or the X, is down to that side picture and just how much light shows around the edges. And when I set that up early and I maintain it to the point where I then start the final execution, those shots are beautiful and they go straight into the middle. But, you know, if I get that marginally wrong, it's, it's I may as well have taken the sight of the bow. You know, it's, it's such a small thing. And what happens over time, you realize that that's the thing. And then that becomes part of my shot sequence. I specifically say, this is, you know, the stage is now sight picture. And I define that. I say, I'm looking for this. And I actually focus on the bottom and the sides. I don't worry about the top because if the bottom's right, the the top's right. So I have a, a very strong thing. And I say, right, I'm looking to set that up. And then when I'm happy that that's on, I then put that onto where I want the arrow to go. And I'm stable and my alignment's good. And then I expand. And and that's you know the expansion is a separate thing. But you mentioned um, then you mentioned you know Joel talks about job one and job two, and I think that it is a great definition. Um, John Dudley talks about what's in front of the line and what's behind the line, and for any part of our sport, that breakdown that you've really got a shot of two halves is a is a key mental thing to grok. You know, people, any archer has to understand that we do a whole bunch of work getting the arrow drawn onto target and kind of ready, and then we do a separate job of actually executing that shot. And and that transition between the one and the other is a decision, and it's also the point where where I find that the sort of anticipation issues, the target panic issues start to creep in. It's quite easy to put the... For me, it's very easy to put the arrow onto the target. But what I find is I start to want to execute way too quickly. So my personal thing is to slow down that execution, is to put it on the target and almost let the ball bounce once and then come back onto it. And then just kind of pause and there's like a, a, you know, a momentary space where I then just try and just suck all my focus in and totally lose myself in the shot. And it's just that moment or two of just purely being nowhere else and then i start to to squeeze with my with my right elbow and pull my finger through the release and then that goes at some point and that's what we strive for is we we as archers i think we want to spend as much time in that little moment between the front and the half the front half and the back half of the shot as we can because that's a totally present beautiful moment yeah that's where all the enjoyment Um, is i think that for me that's where all the enjoyment is so I've had shots where Isn't you know, it they don't, yeah, they don't go in the middle, but you're like, wow, that felt really good, and it's getting that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's we, um, we get these little brilliant. blips of spirituality, you know, like yeah. these. We every time we shoot a bow, we get a chance to sort of be be closer to whatever you believe in, or 
closer to sort of just a, a moment of life where nothing else counts. And, and that's that's the, the sort of beauty of archery for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a high point to kind of leave it on, to wrap up the show on. Um, it's been brilliant having you on. There's been some amazing insights there. Just um, plug yourself again, just because where, where people can find you, um, where you're, what, you know, it, it, like you say, this isn't just about target panic. This, this is about archery without anticipation. It's setting yourself up mentally and with a process to execute the best shots um, and, and stay in archery and be happy with the, the way that you're shooting. So just um, just remind us again, uh, Gareth. Right. So so it's archerywithoutanticipation.com is the website. You go there for $25, which if you're not happy with, after within three months, I'll pay you back. Um, I've never had to do that, by the way, but... Um, you can go there. You can read the reviews. I have people who have emailed me, phoned me and stuff. It, the book really seems to work for people, which is just a, a hugely rewarding thing for me. And it's a book. You can stick it on your Kindle or on your phone, or you can print it out or however you want to do it. And there's a whole bunch of exercises in there. And yes, the book is target panic focused because that's the problem that 99% of archers will get at some stage in their lives. But it's really when I started getting into the target panic stuff, and again, that was you know, from the sort of mental side of elite rowing to coaching elite rowing. And then I did a whole bunch of sports shooting as well, sort of, you know, guns and some hunting. Um, when I got into archery and had this target panic, I realized there's so much more around the mental side of the sport that most of the archers I spoke to didn't know about. So there's a lot there around the precision decision, around letting down your shots, which is really the most single thing, important thing you can do in curing. Anticipation is just let down the bad shots. It's a huge discipline by itself. Um, and then there's this whole idea of shot sequence and how you can visualize it and how you can add color to the visualizations. And what that really is, in a nutshell, is a quality control pro- quantity control process. So when you know your shot sequence and you know how it feels in all your senses and something doesn't meet that, that blueprint, you let down and you start again. And when you follow that shot sequence and it follows that blueprint and you're in the shot and you're conscious of each decision you're making in the time, the rest takes care of itself and you shoot those X's or golds. And that's absolutely been my experience. It's been the experience of people that have read the book. And you know, it's been really nice for me that people, if you read the sort of the, the reviews of the book on the on the site, there've been people who've been shooting for 35, 40 years, and this has transformed how they think about archery. So I think that's its power. Um, it's a fraction of money compared to anything else you spend on the bow. And we've all we've all adjusted our, our our sights and our arrows and our fletches and our locks in an effort to cure stuff, and it all helps to a degree. But there's a point where you've actually got to sort your own stuff out, and so that's what I'm trying to do with this book. Well, it's been awesome having you on, um, and you wrapped up the book and uh, what you're trying to do there absolutely perfectly. Uh, it's been great to uh, it's been great to talk to you, and uh, I wish you all the Thank best over much. there in uh, in in Johannesburg. And uh, it's been, <laughs> we uh, need it at the moment. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> dear. <laughs> um, I, 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 it's yeah. been great having you on, and thanks for taking the time to speak to us, Gareth. Pleasure. Thanks, Glenn, and thanks to your audience. Appreciate it.